This podcast is supported by Anchor FM. If you've ever thought about doing your own podcast, then check out Anchor FM. Anchor FM is a free podcast platform that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Or your tablet if you got one. I really can't recommend these guys enough. It was worth switching over from another platform. Once you set up your podcast, Anchor FM will automatically distribute it to all other platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or such and such. It's very easy, very streamlined, and you can start making money immediately. Download the free Anchor app or log on to anchor.fm to get started. This is a Kitty Pod production. This episode contains material that one may find uncomfortable. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to CR Crime, the only podcast dedicated to stories of true crime in New York's capital region. I'm your host, Jason Bullitt, whom you may remember is also the host of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, of which this is an offshoot. This week, we continue our look back at the 2015 Dannemora prison break on the occasion of its fifth anniversary. Now that we've met the two escapees, we'll take up the story with the jailbreak itself and the woman who unwittingly aided and helped to make good their escape. But before all that, I would like to take this opportunity to send my concern and healing thoughts to those suffering indirectly and directly as a result of the civil unrest here in the United States over the murder of George Floyd, an African-American male in Minneapolis, Minnesota, on May 25, 2020. It is my hope that some kind of cooler heads ultimately prevail, that those involved get justice served to them, and more importantly, that everyone stays safe from both riots and coronavirus. People forget that there's still a pandemic going on. Now, on with the episode. Again, just as the last episode, we acknowledge the primary source of every script of this series, Charles A. Gardner's book, Danamora. Two Escaped Killers, Three Weeks of Terror, and The Largest Manhunt Ever in New York State. This book is available in either hardcover, trade paperback, or audiobook for your ear holes only. It's available at all bookstores, though I suggest you purchase it online from your local independent bookstore. They can sure you the support right now. On the night of June 5, 2015, Richard Mant and David Sweat finished their shift at the tailor shop at the Clinton Correctional Facility and returned to their respective cells. Mant in cell A622, Sweat in A623. Both had returned to their cells in Block A, also known as the Honor Block. The inmates housed herein were allowed access to a sort of common area, replete with a television set, card table, and even showers at specified times during the day a sort of club men behind bars, if you will. Usually, Matt and Sweat would spend their time between work and lights out hanging around this common area, as that was their allotted time. But on this night, things were different. By the time the weekend arrived, both Matt and Sweat would set off on a trip that, unbeknownst to them, would land them in the annals of Empire State history. After the last inmate count of the night, it was lights out at Danamora. Matt and Sweat quickly stuffed bundles of clothing into their respective beds to make it look as though they were still in the cells when morning came. On one of the paintings in his cell, 
Matt painted a little note which read, Time to go, kid. 6-5-15. The original plan was to escape from the prison and, inside of an hour, find their way to a waiting jeep, climb in, and set off for Mexico. As you may recall from the last episode, Matt was sentenced to due time at Dannemora in 2008 because of the murder of Charles Perot at a Matamoros bar a decade earlier. Matt took a self-stitched rucksack and snuck into the prison's utility space through a hole he sawed into the back wall of his cell, which was covered by said painting and a set of magnets thereon. Next door, Sweat was doing the same, and before long, the pair crawled their way through an 18-inch diameter pipe within the prison walls, beat the 1 a.m. deadline, and reached freedom by way of a manhole. It would later be compared to Andy Dufresne's escape from the title prison in the 1994 film The Shawshank Redemption. As the first light of dawn broke over the North Country on June 6, 2015, a corrections officer on the overnight shift made his way through the honor block to take the end of shift tally of the prisoners. All 2,600 prisoners were present and accounted for, with two noteworthy exceptions. The officer looked into one of the cells and found that the escapees had left behind a post-it note with the words, Have a nice day, written above a racist, stereotypical Asian smiley face. News of the escape was quick to get out to the public. According to the author of the aforementioned book, a group of Border Patrol agents carrying M4 rifles blocked the border crossing into Canada on New York State Route 30 in the hamlet of Trout River with spike strips as he was driving his mother to a birthday breakfast at a diner in the Quebec town of Huntingdon. Those traveling into and from Canada were subject to vehicle searches at all border checkpoints. Meanwhile, back at the prison, corrections officers weren't best pleased by the discovery that two prisoners had suddenly gone missing. It got so that they allegedly beat other inmates looking for answers, even putting some in solitary confinement. But it was not an inmate, rather an employee of the prison, who would play a sizable role in the escape. Her name was Joyce Mitchell. A native of the Franklin County hamlet of Dickinson Center, Mitchell worked in the prison's tailor shop along with Sweat and Matt. Mitchell's husband, Lyle, also worked in the prison. Several weeks after the breakout, Mitchell appeared on NBC's Today Show and stated that she aided and abetted Matt and Sweat because she was, quote, only trying to save her family, end quote. Also, it was revealed that Mitchell was going through a bout of depression, thus exploiting a personal weakness. Mitchell said that she felt intimidated by Matt, getting so that she was fearing for her life even outside the prison walls. Matt went so far as to court Mitchell and reportedly gave her an open-mouth kiss. For this, the New York Post gave her the nickname Shawshank. Another reference to the Shawshank Redemption. On June 16th, 10 days after Sweat and Matt fled prison custody, Mitchell confessed that she provided chisels, hacksaw blades, and other implements of destruction. Furthermore, she stated that Matt made her husband the target of a murder-for-hire plot. Matt would give two pills to incapacitate Lyle. For his part, Lyle Mitchell neither participated in, nor did he have any knowledge of the jailbreak. He visited Joyce, then went to the state police barracks in Malone. Joyce waived the preliminary hearing, thus immediately sending the trial to Clinton County Court in Plattsburgh. 
There was a second accomplice in the prison break that did not get anywhere the attention Mitchell did, and his name was Gene Palmer. Palmer was also charged with aiding in the escape by smuggling other tools into the prison and did other favors for Matt in exchange for artwork. As the weekend drew to a close, Sweat and Matt were on their way to freedom, but they weren't headed for Mexico. Did they even get out of the country, I hear you ask? Listen next week and find out. Thanks for listening to CR Crime, the only podcast dedicated to true crime in New York's capital region. I've been your host, Jason Bullitt, and if you like what you heard, tell your friends about this podcast, let everybody you know in on it. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and a good write-up. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, but also on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, or the podcatcher if you're choosing. We're halfway home through the Dana Morris saga, and we'll have more next week. Thanks for listening. Take care, and stay safe out there, will you?